Peterson, and welcome to The Journey is Real. We talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their hearts. Today, my guest, let's see if I can pronounce this correctly, Sarah Zeph Geber. Is that right. correct? Right, yes. Hey, and we're going to be talking about meeting the challenges of solo aging. Thank you for coming on today, Sarah. Thank you for having me, CJ. You have a passion for a niche of people who need actually need people the most. They're usually reaching their retirement years. Usually they've kind of been independent and want to remain somewhat independent. How did this become a passion for you? Well, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, well, it's interesting to me anyway. Um, <laughs> I, um, I, I was doing retirement coaching, which um, I picked up, oh, I don't know, around 2010 after um, a 25-year career doing management consulting and leadership development, that kind of thing. I merged into retirement coaching. And as the more I talked to people the, and watched and heard about what they were doing, they talked about taking care of their aging parents. You know, for baby boomers whose parents are even still alive, they're in their late 80s, 90s, and even early 100s. And they're having a tough time making it on their own. So the people that I was observing were spending a tremendous amount of time and resources taking care of their aging parents. They were in some cases flying back and forth from one coast to the other. Uh, in other cases, spending all of their weekends trying to equip their parents who were aging in place, aging in their home all by themselves and equip them with food and picking up their medications. I mean, it just went on and on. Yeah, my sister actually took care of my parents. We lost my dad. He was 89 um, yeah. in July of 2019. And my mom just, we just lost her in January 20th. January 20th. Yes. And so we actually had her in the home to help care for them because she made a commitment. She says, I do not want to put them in a retirement home if I can help it. That's but where that's so many. Yeah. Not everybody had yeah. that. And not everybody has the backup that she had because she could call either me or my brother and us and our other halves were on the way. Well, imagine the scenario then if she didn't have children. Mm -hmm. And that's what I started imagining because I don't have children. My husband and I chose not to have children. And so many of my friends and colleagues and people that I've worked for years with um, made that same choice. Women had the opportunity, thanks to the pill and the Equal Rights Amendment, which never quite passed, but the message got out there. We had lots of opportunities open to us that our mothers never had. So a lot of us chose not to have children and now we're facing aging um, without the next generation to kind of help ease that process. So yeah, it's been, a lot yeah. of people take advantage of the elderly. Let's face it. Let's, let's be real. They do. And they don't have people to fight for them. Um, I work with the VA with my husband. It's a very frustrating thing to work with. And so it's like, I can't imagine, you know, when we get older, we're going to have to fight it on our own because he has two children, he has twin sons, but they're on the other side of the country. And so we're gonna have to just fight it on our own. And it's, it's cannot imagine what that's gonna look like. Yep. Well, imagining it is a good start because <laughs> that's really where people are with this. They've got to start getting real about what the future may hold. And there are ways to get prepared mm -hmm. to age safely and securely. Um, but ignoring it is not one of those ways. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the Gen X generation. 
And so it's like we were, we've been told since we were wee little ones that Social Security will probably run out by the time we reach retirement. And so that's kind of always been in the back of my mind is, okay, I need some sort of a nest from when mm -hmm. we do reach that age because chances are I won't be able to have Social Security to rely on. Yeah, well, we were told that too. And, and uh, what it looks like is that's not going to happen to our generation, the boomers. Um, and it may not happen to yours either, but we don't know. It's always wise for people to build up as much of a cushion as they can for their retirement. The biggest reason being that a lot of us are going to live very long lives. The medical community has found ways to um, for us to manage these chronic conditions and incidents like heart attacks and strokes that used to kill people. And now we're recovering and living another 20, 30 years. So yeah, it's uh, it's kind of daunting imagining that we're going to need to support ourselves well well into our 90s and even early 100s. Yeah, it's so. kind of a bittersweet. We have the suite of knowing that, you know, we'll be able to see grandkids and great grands and stuff like that. But it's like, it's scary because you never know yeah. what's going to creep up and how you're going to have to deal with it. Exactly, exactly. So that got me started thinking about solo agers like myself and like many of my friends and the ways in which we need to prepare, which aren't so terribly different from the ways that everybody needs to prepare, but it's just much more um, urgent for us. We need to really think about what, uh, how much money we're going to need. We need to think about uh, getting our legal documents in order. In other words, getting an estate plan together. Um, and also what we're going to do for a social support system. And when I say that, I mean, having people around you, we all need a community in which to have a, a meaningful and uh, hopefully enjoyable later life. Nobody plans to be uh, sick and unhappy and in pain, although unfortunately that happens to some, but there are so many ways that we need to prepare to live a healthy, as healthy as possible later life. So that's what I've been writing about and thinking about. And that's why we're talking today, right? Yeah. For the most part, you're working with people who are usually pretty strong, willed, independent thinkers. Yes. How do you, don't take it the wrong way, how do you teach an old dog new tricks? <laughs> well, you're right. You're absolutely right that um, most solo agers, and I'm talking about people, many of whom don't have spouses. Now, I consider a solo ager to be anyone who doesn't have kids, whether they're married or single, because like my husband and myself, we don't know who is going to be the first one to pass on. Um, we don't know which one of us is going to be left as a true solo ager. So we're both planning accordingly. And um so that's uh you know that's the challenge and yes so many people who have not have children have been fiercely independent i think of all the women that i've known through the years that haven't had children some are divorced some never married and they've been very independent very self-sufficient for many many years so uh yeah it's it's um it's a new it's a new concept for them to think about being part of a community and, and actually possibly being 
interdependent with other people. Yeah, and I mean, some are lone wolves, some are military, some are, I mean, there's such a various background. How do you, how do you reach that group? How do you kind of connect with them and, and bring them down to reality of you're not always going to stay up here, you know, health wise, you got to come down and think about this, you know, whether yeah. it comes to play or not, you got to think about it. How do you, how do you break that wall? Well, it's, for some people, it's a wall that they're going to, that they're never going to break through. They're just going to be in denial. And that's what it is. They're going to be in denial. But most people are smart enough to realize that the state of denial is not the state that they really want to live in forever. And when I start talking about the kinds of things that we need to prepare for, most people get interested, interested enough to at least listen. Now, what they do after they read one of my articles or hear me give a talk about it or read my book, I don't know. But I do know that the people that I'm close to, the people who have had to listen to me go on and on about this for the last 10 years, they're doing something about it because they know. Yeah. Um, and I'm here. They know I'll, I'll never give them a moment's peace until they <laughs> start, start doing their own planning. So, so I know I've reached a lot of people. I mean, the book sold many thousands of copies and, um, it's got worksheets and all kinds of ways for people to, um, uh, to really do this kind of planning. Now we've kind of touched on things, a couple different things. Um, a lot of it can be found on your website. First of all, how can they find you online and what will they find when they get there? Because there's a lot on there. I look through it. Yeah, they can find me through, that's funny, you can get to my website in two ways. You can get through it to it through my company name, which is Life Encore. So lifeencore.com, L-I-F-E-E-N-C-O-R-E.com or through my name, sarahzefgeber.com. S-A-R-A, -A, Z as in zebra, E-F-F -F as in Frank, Geber, G-E-B-E-R.com. So both roads will take you there. Uh, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. So a lot of my resources are reachable through LinkedIn. Uh, you can certainly find me on, you can find the book on Amazon, but there are links from my website and from LinkedIn that'll take you there. So those are the best ways to, uh, to find me. What is the book and what are the resources are on your website? The book's called Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers. Okay. And again, that's on the website. Also on the website are a number of worksheets that are in the book. Um, but if you want to kind of check out some of those worksheets, they're, they're freebies on my website. And uh, you just simply have to uh, click on them and you'll be sent the, uh, the worksheet so you can kind of dip a toe in the water that way. And you can also access some of my videos online. Um, uh, just listen to me talking about the subject that's so near and dear to my heart. Uh, and those are the main those are the main resources on the website. Gotcha. Um, so the journey is real. We'd like to kind of learn more about the person. We've talked a lot about the passion. I want to know more about who Sarah is. So who is Sarah Geber. Well, uh, <laughs> I, as I mentioned briefly before, um, I had about a 25 year career as a, a management consultant, 
the the um, the flavor of management consulting that deals with leadership and how to manage people. I did a lot of leadership coaching, a lot of coaching of of high level executives, um, and before that, I did a lot of training programs. So uh, my preparation for that was um, de to. Uh, I have a degree in psychology. I have a master's in guidance and counseling, and I have a PhD in organizational behavior. So that it was a wonderful career. I enjoyed it a lot. But you know, at some point, people started wanting to talk about their retirement plans more than they wanted to talk about their um, strategic plans. So it was time for me to to uh, to leave that, and that's when I got started on on um, looking at the trajectory of aging fascinated me and I usually, just love it. Yeah, usually there's some sort of a pivotal point. What was your pivotal point that made you switch from management to retirement? We've kind of skimmed over it a little bit, but what actually happened? What was the point of turn? I don't think there was one um, event that happened, but my realization that people of my generation, the baby boomers, were ready to start thinking about retirement and had absolutely nowhere to turn for help was kind of a, a um, I guess you could call that a turning point for me. I realized that at that time, and now it was 10 years ago, there were no resources out there. Hardly anybody was doing retirement coaching. How did you realize it though? By talking to people that said, I don't know what to do. You know, I just retired and I, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm watching too much TV. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm just sitting around. I'm making my spouse crazy. Um, now, this is more a problem for men than it is for women. That's my observation. And I think it's because men traditionally, at least for our generation and before, um, have really not cultivated anything other than their work persona throughout their lives. Women, on the other hand, have um, often, more often than not, raised kids. Um, they've been uh, part of community groups, much more so than men. Mm -hmm. So the men were struggling more than the women, but that's, you know, it equalizes at some point too. everyone when they leave their midlife careers, if they decide to leave, some people just keep on working. Uh, if they decide they're done, need to think about what that next act is going to be. Where are they gonna get meaning and purpose in their lives once they leave that job? Yeah, and it's like once they start heading toward retirement and they're starting to kind of lay off the elders, it's like, well, what do I do? And they find themselves standing in the middle of a turning point or a crossroads. And they're like, which way do I go? Which way do I turn? And so, yeah, I could totally yeah. see that happening. Yeah, or they're just stuck. Mm -hmm. Especially if they've been at a job for 30 and 40 years. And, you know, that's yeah. the only job that they know and the only thing they know how to do. And women, we're kind of nesters anyway. Whether we have kids mm -hmm. or not, we're, we're kind of still those, we're used to prepared for more stuff than the men are because the men are working, which is they're providing us with the nest, but the women are usually the organizers and the nesters. And so they're, we're generally kind of wired to look ahead. Yeah, now all of that is changing. And I, of course, know so many women that are um, either the main breadwinners have been 
or certainly equal to their spouses or they've been on their own. Um, as you can imagine, I talk mostly to solo agers because that's my the audience that I, I really want to get my message across to. And um, for a lot of solo agers, they're, you know, they have, they have a life, they have a career, but they have a life too. And they just want to continue that. And it's meaningful for them. So it's, it's continuing that career as long as they want to and thinking also about the future and a time when they might not be right quite up to the job anymore and well, need that, to wind down. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Right. Uh, my husband's dad was perfectly healthy two years ago and he had an accident and it's just been downhill ever since. Yeah. He was yeah. like no medications or anything, you know, Bright and Jerry and you know, all for it. You never know what that one thing you is don't know. Be you don't know. They don't they call it an accident for a reason. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. got the crystal ball that I'm aware of that can tell you what your health is gonna look like in you know a year or so. Doctors are kind of good at predicting. Let's not discounting that, but you know, they can say you have warning signs for X, Y, and Z. Um, but you never know fully what's going to happen in, until it hits you and then you're like spinning. So if yeah. you can get it in line before you start spinning, that spin will take less of a twist. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we all know people that have aged well into their late 90s. I have a very dear friend that I've known all my life. Um, he was kind of like a second father figure to me. And he just died last month at age 98. Wow. And he was able to continue living in his home. He had two adult children who were very, very um, helpful for him. <clears throat> but it takes that. It takes people bringing over meals and and helping with chores and helping with everything from paperwork to, I mean, you name it. If you don't have children to do that, it's a very different scene mm -hmm. because even as healthy as he was, and up until a few years ago, he was out on the golf course two days a week. But at some point, everyone's health takes a turn. You know, we all have this fantasy that we're going to live these these long, healthy, happy lives and then have a heart attack on the tennis court one day or, or in the, you know, we're just going to keel over one day and we're going to go from happy, 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 happy to dead. Or like <laughs> the last year with the COVID, you know, if it hits your system, yeah, it came out of nowhere and sometimes there are some long-term symptoms that come with it. Yeah. You never know so, what's going to happen. We just don't know. So making making a few plans ahead of time, making sure that you're you have a backup plan uh, is a is a really important thing to do. Awesome. We have about three minutes left. Is there anything you'd like to add? Well, I think the most one of the things we didn't touch on, and one of the most important things to think about, is where you're going to live later mm -hmm. in life. If you're still living in that two or three story house out in the suburbs somewhere without any public transportation nearby, and you don't have people that are willing to just drive you wherever you want to go. Um, of course, we do have Uber and Lyft, but it's still, it's a very lonely existence mm -hmm. as you get older to live in an isolated environment. So think about where your 
community is going to come from and and a lot of community the the talk about community is to talk about where you're going to live so that's one of the most important independent assisted living facilities and that's right allows you to basically have a little apartment but you're in a community with many others who are your age facing the same exact things that's right and more and more of them are being built and designed for middle income people not not the super wealthy Uh, we're going to see more and more of that Um, those kinds of preparations avoid the ultimate disaster of ending up in some horrible nursing home Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other congregate living um, opportunities out there um, and I think we should all be avoiding ending up in a in in a nursing home. Yeah, those are scary. Um, well, Sarah, thank you very much for coming on. You've given us a lot to think about and a lot to work through. And thank you for having a lot of the resources that you have on your website and for shining a light on, on a problem that is growing that people are in denial of. Thank you, CJ. It was a pleasure. Well, and thank you guys for listening to The Journey is Real. We talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their hearts. I'm CJ Peterson of cjpetersonwrites.com. Until next time.